Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. So in the in the rapture, only his own will see him, but in the second coming, as we've just read, every eye will see him. And in the rapture, the tribulation begins, but in the second coming, the millennial kingdom begins. That's when it begins. And so this is really critical for us to understand. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for this edition of Truth in Christ Radio. Pastor Rob finalizes this section by continuing to review the rapture of the church and the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Although these are two separate events, the Bible is clear regarding how they will happen. As students of the Bible, it is important for us to be able to distinguish between the two. In this teaching, Pastor Rob gives us a very specific explanation on what the Word of God reveals to us about these events. Now let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 4 as Pastor Rob leads us on this journey of the final events. comes back with us to the earth, to Jerusalem. And right now, we're waiting for that time for the rapture of the church where we'll meet him in the clouds. But then he's going to physically come back after that seven-year period to physically to the earth. Okay. Now, there are two different uh, contrasts of the rapture and the second coming. If we look at the rapture, it, it speaks of the translation or the, 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 the rapture of all believers where our bodies will be changed. In the second coming, there's no translation at all. There's no um, uh, of our bodies being changed. In the rapture, the translated saints go to heaven. In the, in the second coming of Christ, the translated saints, they return to earth. <laughs> in the rapture, the earth is not judged, but in the second coming, the earth is going to be judged and righteousness established. And the rapture speaks of believers only, but the second coming of Christ, it affects all men. The rapture occurs before the day of wrath. And the second coming physically of Jesus to the earth concludes in the day of wrath. In the, in, the, uh, in the rapture of the church, there's no reference to Satan whatsoever. But we know in the second coming that Satan is bound for a thousand years. During that, that uh, millennial reign of Christ, he's bound for a thousand years. And also, in the rapture, He comes in the air to meet us. We've already read that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But in the second coming, He comes to the earth. Turn with me, if you would. Now, again, we're talking about the second coming physically of Jesus to the earth because I want you to understand the difference between the rapture and the second coming. So now, in the rapture, 
we meet him in the air, but in the second coming, he comes physically to the earth. So look with me at Zechariah chapter 14. This is one of the greatest Old Testament uh, passages. Uh, Zechariah chapter 14. Love this verse. Having been to Israel just recently and, and actually being on the Mount of Olives and overlooking the uh, Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, and, 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 and standing on the mountain that this is going to occur is just amazing. Notice what it says in Zechariah chapter 14. Now this is a, uh, an Old Testament prophet prophesying of Jesus' second coming physically to the earth. Notice what he says. Behold, the day of the Lord, or the day of Christ, same thing. The day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. This is what we call Armageddon, or you know, when the Antichrist and all of his forces, they come to Jerusalem to, to wipe Jerusalem out and kill the Jews and everybody in it. He says, For I will gather all nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Notice what it says in verse 3. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And this is also recorded for us in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, when Jesus physically comes to the earth. And that's exactly what he's speaking of here. He says, in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Do you understand that? When he comes back physically to the earth, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and behold it does, bend there, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a large valley, and half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it toward the south. And, and actually in Ezekiel it talks about at this time that there's going to be a, a fissure of water that's going to come out from underneath the Temple Mount that's going to gush water over the threshold and it's going to go into the, part of it's going to go into the Mediterranean Sea and part of that water is going to gush down into the Jordan Valley and the Dead Sea is going to be healed and it's going to be fresh water, a fresh water place where people will be fishing. That's what's coming. So Jesus will come physically to the earth. And also, when we look at the rapture of the church, it speaks that he claims his bride. And in the second coming, he comes back with his bride. Uh, in Jude, it tells us that, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of the saints, an innumerable company. He will come back to judge the earth. That's what it says in Jude. Jesus' half-brother spoke that. And also in the tribulate, or I'm sorry, in the rapture. Excuse me. Only those who know Christ will see Him. It'll happen like we read in 1 Corinthians 15. In the twinkling of an eye, only we will see Him. It'll happen so quickly. They'll, they'll be. It'll happen so quickly. But when the second coming comes, every eye will see Him. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to look at something here. Jesus speaking to His disciples on the Mount of Olives, this very place where Jesus was talking about, and Zechariah was talking about, where Jesus, he actually ascended from there, but he's also coming back in the very same place. Notice what it says. Uh, in this chapter, there's a lot to it. We don't have time to go through it. But in verses 15 through 28, Jesus spoke about the Great Tribulation period. But notice what he says in verse 29, the very next verse. He says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will, will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. And notice, notice this. It's very critical that you see this. 
The sign, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then notice all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds and from the one end of heaven to the other. And certainly there will be another uh, gathering of his faithful remnant at that time. And there's a lot to this. The next chapter actually spells this out a little bit more. But that is a judgment. That is a judgment that Jesus is going to come back. But every eye will see him. Every eye is going to see him. Believe me, CNN is going to be there with their cameras. If CNN is around, I'm sure they will. Uh, They're going to be looking and they're going to see Jesus coming back. And everyone on the planet is going to be able to see him going out their front doors. And they're going to see him coming uh, for those who have rejected Christ. So in the in the rapture, only his own will see him, but in the second coming, as we've just read, every eye will see him. And in the rapture, the tribulation begins, but in the second coming, the millennial kingdom begins. That's when it begins. And so this is really critical for us to understand. And you know, let's just look at one or two passages, and then we're going to have to call it a day for this. Because I don't know about you, but this is really encouraging. Because as we look at things that are going, our, our time to see Him is not some incredibly large distance away. Every believer in Christ, ever since the day of Pentecost, and ever since Jesus and the Apostle Paul began to speak about the coming of the Lord, every every generation since then, has been hoping for the rapture. And believe me, it could have happened at any time. Paul believed the rapture would occur in his day because there's really nothing that needs to happen for that to happen. Now, for the second coming, the second coming Jesus physically to the earth, there are many things that have to happen before that occurs. But the rapture, not so. That could happen in a twinkling of an eye. There's going to be believers on the 405 freeway or 490 here in Rochester. They're going to be driving their car to work, per se, and they are going to vanish. And that car is going to be without a driver. <laughs> okay, And so there's going to be people, men who are going to be operating forklifts, and, and op- operating cranes, putting stuff into place that are going to vanish. And there are going to be people in universities, in classrooms, they're going to vanish. And can you imagine the horror upon a world? They are going to freak out. They are going to freak out. And, and that is a perfect time for the man of sin to rise up and say, I know where these people went. We've been trying to push our agenda through. And then I'm, I'm, I'm speaking hypothetically here. Uh, this is just a, a possibility. But I think it's probable, could happen. This man of sin coming and saying, I know where these people went. Our agenda, we've been trying so hard to bring peace on the earth. We've been trying to do our way to make this thing a global community where everybody, you know, kumbaya, everybody embraces each other. Everybody loves one another and we just kind of hold our hands. We are the world and we pop open our Coca-Cola and drink it, right? That, that He's going to be speaking along and everyone's going to be like, wow, this guy. He's so wonderful. And he's going to say, these people have actually been in the way of progress. Our progress has been stunted because of their, um, their fundamental, uh, biblical Jesus stuff. They've been getting in the way. And just like a dog would shake itself to flick the, 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 get the ticks off of its body, the earth is going to shake. And he's going to say, they are the ticks. They've been, they've been taken off the earth And now we can go forward with our agenda and the world will embrace this man and he's going to give them everything. 
and it's going to be fine for a little bit, for maybe three and a half years, until he wants to be worshipped, and then God is going to begin to open those seals, as we're going to read about shortly. But I want to read to you, that there, there are plenty of places in the Bible, and we'll just end with this, okay? We'll end with this. There's, there's much more to talk about, but we'll pick up here next week. This is Again, this is a critical part of Revelation before we go on, because it'll put everything in perspective. Throughout the Bible, there are types. A type is something that occurs in the Bible that kind of uh, gives you an understanding of the character of God, the way He does things. And there are many of these throughout the Bible when it comes to God's wrath being poured out. He always... Uh, it, it doesn't mean that his people don't go through horrible things. Sometimes they're even beheaded, right? I mean, uh, you know, Justin Martyr, and uh, you know, uh, there's so many martyrs in the in the in the church that have been that have died horrible deaths, and and the Lord allows these things from time to time. Not everybody is exempt from difficulty. Not everybody is exempted from persecution, even to death. But whenever a group of people, when he wants to, uh, when he's going to pour out his wrath, he always removes his remnant, his faithful. And we even see this in, in Genesis chapter 5. Remember that it's not until Genesis chapter 6 and 7 where God uh, allows the, 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 the global flood to occur, right? And remember that Noah and his seven other family members, a total of eight, they were preserved through this judgment that God had um, poured out upon the earth. He killed every living thing, every living thing that was on the earth, man, as far as, far as man is concerned, they all perished in the flood, except for eight people, Noah and his wife and his three sons and their three three wives. They live, but prior to God flooding the earth, it says something really interesting in Genesis chapter 5. It says that, uh, in fact, let me, um, let me just go there really quick because I don't want to mess this up. <laughs> Genesis chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 24. But notice uh, it says, it starts giving a, a lineage of, uh, of people from Adam. And it says that, um, and after he, uh, Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. Uh, this is a different Enoch. And after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. Excuse me, that was right. He was, this is the right Enoch. Long story. Anyway, so all the days of Enoch were 365 years. He had long longevity. Um, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. God took him. And literally, he didn't die. The Bible, if you look up the original language here in the Hebrew, it's just like that word that we looked at in Thessalonians where it says caught up. The Hebrew equivalent is right here. God literally snatched him up from off, from off the earth. He did not die, and God took him. And the reason I bring this up, and the reason why this is a good type, is because Enoch is a type of the church that before God would bring a global judgment of a flood, God removed Enoch. And God put that in the Scripture to give us a type, to give us an idea, this is how I do things. I really believe that. He does it also in Genesis 19 with Lot and, and removing Lot and his wife and his kids from uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, trying to deliver most of them, and only Lot and his two daughters got out. But he removed this faithful remnant before God brought judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah, raining hailstone and fire and consuming the place. The evidence of it is still there in Israel today. And, and so God removed his remnant 
before he brought judgment. And so we see it in the Genesis flood that God removed Enoch and then the global flood took place and, and, and Noah and his family in the ark is sort of like Israel going through the great tribulation period. There's a, there's a wonderful type here that even the 144,000, which we're going to talk about later in the book of Revelation, they are preserved even through the tribulation. These, these uh, 12,000 of each of the 12 tribes of Israel, they're going to be preserved through that time. So you see these wonderful types. And again, I end with this. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9, and we'll end here, and we'll pick up here next week. This is a critical part of the Scripture, Revelation. This is something that you have to remember. The Bible says that, For those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. They shall. The world doesn't like a believer and sometimes people do you know um you know christians ought to be the most loving caring people sometimes we get a little excited and sometimes especially when we're young we get a little bit forceful and sometimes we can even get judgmental because of our 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 uh you know, our, our newness to the whole thing. And when we first get saved, we're so full of energy and so full of excitement. Sometimes we, we can do things the wrong way. And, you know, God is not upset about that. He's, he's working. But um, my point in this whole thing is, is that um, God is he, he's in control. But First Thessalonians 5 verse 9 says this, For God has not appointed us to wrath. And, and Paul is speaking to the church including himself, for God has not appointed us, he includes himself, to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, before this rapture, or before this great tribulation occurs, which we're going to read about in Revelation 6 through 19, as Jesus begins to unravel those, take those seals off of that scroll of judgment upon the earth, before that begins, God removes his remnant, just like he did with Enoch before the flood, just like he did with Lot and his family before the destruction. There are other examples. Those are just a couple. But, the, but understand that that's God's heart. God does not need to take his bride to purify her. She's already purified by his blood. And, and that's something that we have to understand. I cannot do enough good works in and of myself, apart from Christ, to merit me getting into heaven. It just doesn't work. For God, you know, what, what does it say? Uh, that our, 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 our good works, apart from Christ, are like filthy rags. And literally, menstrual cloths. That's what it means. That they are like filthy rags before God. That's what it means. So I cannot do anything of any good apart from Christ, and somehow earn my favor with Him. No, by the blood of Christ, the Bible says that we are made white as snow by His blood. That's the way He sees us now that we are in Christ. And so therefore, you, Christian, you and I have been purified by the blood of Christ. There's no need for God to purify me again to cause me to go through the tribulation to maybe to account for my sin. No, sin was dealt once and for all on the cross. Isn't that true? Jesus died once and for all. He died once and for all. I don't need to go through a bunch of gyrations to earn, my, to earn favor with Him. We've already earned it 
because we are in Him, we believe in Him, and believe me, He is going to remove you before all hell breaks loose on this earth. And it's coming. It's coming, folks. And if you have your eyes open at all, you need to see it because it is coming like a freight train and we have to be prepared. And the best preparation is to give your heart to Christ. Will you give your heart to Christ today? Do not wait any longer. Do not think it's just going to get better. Yes, it'll, it'll even itself out, believe me. But there are things yet coming in the future, even before the rapture of the church, that are going to be difficult. And I pray that the Lord comes today. I pray that before I even speak my next word, <laughs> that the Lord would come. Right? But here's the problem. We've got family, we've got friends, we've got people around us. And what, what does this information do to you? What does it do? How does it affect you? Because if I just take this in and I draw my graphs and I, and I go through and I have my scriptures, you know, that's all fine and good. But if it doesn't put me in a place where I'm, I'm actually going out and sharing the truth and the love of Christ, do you understand it's His love that draws men to repentance? I can't express that. That's what drew me to the Lord because of His goodness. And isn't that something that we ought to be proclaiming, shouting from the housetop? Isn't that something that we should be, uh, if you've got a Twitter account and a Facebook account, if you're going to say anything on any of those social media platforms, share the truth of the Word of God. Share the truth. Get that message out. That's all that matters at this time because everything else is going to burn. Everything else is going to be wood, hay, and stubble. But the things that will endure forever are the things that God does and what He does in you. And so it is important that we live the life, that we read the Word, that we get invigorated, that we ask God, Lord, unite us again, set us on fire again, revive us again, Lord. Do whatever you've got to do, Lord. Please cleanse and heal us from all of the stuff that we've entangled ourselves in. You know, pray. Pray, And if you don't know Jesus today, it is simple. You just simply ask Him to forgive you. You say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please save my soul. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I know you're coming again, Lord. And you just bring it, Lord. Bring it. If that is your heart, then welcome to the family of God. Because that is the greatest thing that you could ever, the greatest decision you could ever make in the world more than anything else more than the mate that you that you married the woman or the man that you married more than the school that you went to the college that you went to school more than anything that is the greatest decision you will ever make because it's eternal folks we're talking about eternity not just a 70 80 90 maybe 100 years on this earth and then we're done no this is going to be go on if you're a christian you are going to be raptured I don't know about you, but that's good news. Read 1 Thessalonians 4 in its entirety again, and then read 1 Corinthians 15. Read it and be encouraged. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for um, just for your grace. Lord, please envelop us in your love. Lord, give us, uh, set your candle underneath us again, Lord, and motivate us. Motivate us to walk in purity and holiness with you, God. We know that we're sinners, but we also know that we've been saved by grace. And Lord, we also know that you're working in us. You're conforming us to the image of Christ moment by moment. So Father, have your way with us. And I pray for anyone here listening that has not made that decision, that they would make the decision right now, Father. Not even tomorrow, not even tonight, but right now. This is, a, this is between you and them alone. Nobody can see us. Nobody can, uh, there's not a room full of people, Lord. Do that work 
in the hearts of all of us and encourage us for those who do know you. Set us on fire again, God. Make us useful in your hand. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.